Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4. We read Psalm 95, the first half of which was praise to the Lord. The second half of which was describing that generation that didn't want to take the land of Canaan. And there was one two-letter word stuck in there that changes that from a historical description of what happened to Israel to the indication that there was another rest for the people of God. And if you were to read down from verse 1, you know it says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into His rest. Oh, they'd been in Canaan for 1,500 years. So there's another rest. And it's indicated by the little word if, and we don't have time to go chase down through these words, because like verse 5, and in this place again, referring to Psalm 95, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter in, based on the little word if. I mean, it is tight. It is tight arguing, but it's wonderful. It's why we believe every word of God. And it's why we have one-word arguments, because here's Paul basing an argument on one word from Psalm 95. And it says in verse 8, For if Jesus had given them rest, and that is Joshua, that is Moses' successor, that is referring to the land of Canaan, then would he not afterward, 500 years later, have written Psalm 95 and have spoken of another day, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God, and we're in it, and Jesus is better than Joshua. Okay? That's what all that noise is about. Jesus is better than Joshua, and the gospel rest is better than the Canaan rest, and the gospel rest is better than the Sabbath rest. Quickly, chapter 5. Do you know how much more we could do in chapter 4? Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens. Jesus can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. There's so much wonderful stuff in 4. But we go to 5. And uh, the one point I want to grab out of chapter 5 is uh, verse 4, No man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. Aaron was made a priest, and you had to be a descendant of Aaron to be a priest in the years succeeding Aaron. If you were just from Levi, then you were a Levite, and you got to chop wood. If you were from Aaron, you got to offer sacrifices on the altar. And so he was made by God's choice. Verse 5, So also... Christ glorified him not himself, not himself to be made in high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Every, the book of Hebrews, everywhere you go in it, it's Jesus is better. Jesus is better. And so Aaron was chosen by God and Jesus was chosen by God because of Psalm 110 where it said, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We jump into chapter 6 and we look at the last verse and it says, Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. His priesthood doesn't end. He's already in the presence of God. He's not on earth. And in order to give you a little bit of assurance, in the New Testament, we have God swearing with an oath. Surely blessing. I will. He couldn't swear by any greater than himself. Surely blessing, I will bless thee. It is all on my integrity. Hebrews 6. There's nothing like that in the Old Covenant. Chapter 7, Charlie read to us last Lord's Day... Listen, if I get started in seven, I don't get anywhere. 
because seven is full of arguments of the, of the superiority of Jesus to the Levitical priesthood by his connection to Melchizedek. He is like Melchizedek in his resume, the first three verses. You've just got to read those first three verses to delight in them. Why was he called Melchizedek, king of Salem? Melchizedek is king of righteousness. King of Salem or Shalom is king of peace. Who is really king of righteousness and king of peace? The Lord Jesus Christ. Melchizedek was just a type of him. Just in his, just in his resume of those first three verses. Then we have in verses four through seven, he's superior to Abraham because Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. Now, that is a serious argument here. Because Levi was considered to have been in the loins of Abraham, so by implication, Levi was paying tithes to Melchizedek, showing that Melchizedek is greater than Abraham. And who blessed who? Melchizedek blessed Abraham, and obviously the greater man blesses the lesser man. This is just wonderful stuff. There's a reason why it's my favorite book. But be careful. Don't run that too far. I love the whole thing. But Hebrews is just precious reasoning as you go down through this where the Apostle Paul is saying, look, Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. Levi, which has an ordinance to collect tithes from the people, he paid tithes to Melchizedek. Melchizedek's better than Abraham. Melchizedek's better than Aaron. Melchizedek's better than the Levitical priesthood. And it it requires a changing of the law that Charlie pointed out to us in chapter 7 last week. They had temporary priests. Melchizedek and Jesus go forever. You know, look at verses, look at verse 20. For the law made nothing perfect. Verse 20, and in so much, here's another argument, as not without an oath, he was made priest. Jesus was made a priest with an oath. Verse 21, for those priests were made without an oath. All the priests that came from Aaron were not made with an oath. There was no oath from God involved in their ordination service. For those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, and here's the wording from Psalm 110, the Lord, the Lord swear, the Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That priesthood is never changing and it was instituted by an oath of God. The Aaron and his descendants were not made priests by oaths. Just all these little arguments, just Paul's just piling it on for goodies. This is like toppings on a dessert. You've got the salvation that's underlying all of this, that he's redeemed us and given us the rest that is in the gospel now and the rest of heaven that is to come. And he's just piling on all these goodies that Jesus is superior to anything under the Old Testament in his longevity, verses 23 through 25, because he outlives all other priests because they died by reason of being in Mortal bodies. In verses 26 through 28, his impeccability. That means he has no sin because it says of him in verse 26, this priest is holy. This priest is harmless. Jesus is undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Oh, that's chapter 7. He's got a better covenant in chapter 8. He's got better ordinances in chapter 9. He's part of a a last testament of God in the second half of chapter 9. He's got a different sacrifice in chapter 10, his own body, instead of the blood of bulls and calves and animal sacrifices that could never take away sin. And it's just fabulous. Just fabulous material. 
about the superiority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you should embrace Him today. I'm here as His ambassador. Embrace Him today. Believe on Him today. Run to Him by faith. Lay a hold of Him. I will follow you, Lord. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Go home. Go out of this place and do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. And never look back. Never look back. He that puts his hand to the plow and looketh back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Hebrews is so full of the words better, more, great, greater, heavenly contrast. It's just wonderful. If you want to know more about Hebrews, go to a website called www.letgodbetrue.com. Go a little magnifying glass up at the top and type in the word Hebrews. You'll have a short version or you'll have the real version. Can I share something else with you about this, Lord? Isaiah 53 and verse 12. We don't have time to turn there. Did you read that he was an, he made intercession for the people? So he's an intercessor. What is an intercessor? It's a lawyer. Did you hear me quote 1 John 2, 2 recently? But if any man sin, we have an advocate. That's a name for a lawyer, an advocate. Does it say in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, for his name shall be called Wonderful. His name shall be called Counselor. Will you allow me a few minutes? The judge and legal system that you are part of is unlike anything you can even imagine. This is no little parking fine. This is no little $250. In the next 30 days, this is no 30 days in prison. This is no work crew that you pick up trash behind the, beside the highway. This legal system that you're part of is the second death. It is an eternity in the lake of fire. This is God, the judge of all, and there is no stinking jury there to mess things up by having 12 or 14 or 20 unemployed morons picked to determine your fate. This is Almighty God sitting on His throne at the tribunal of perfect holy justice determining whether you belong in heaven or you belong in hell. This is the ju- this is the legal system that we are part of. And do you know how you were made part of it? By being born into this race. Excuse me for talking about the average American citizen that doesn't opt out of a jury duty. Forgive me. But it's true. Uh, you don't have any jury here that you can snow by shedding enough tears on the witness stand. There's no attorney here that's able to help you by shedding tears for some jury benefit. This is Almighty God and He judges by Himself. And he in the Bible is, de- is depicted as a dreadful and terrible despot. He makes the decisions by himself and he asks no one else. Right. And we are, it, we are part of this legal system and the consequences of the second death. We are guilty of capital crimes in Adam and in ourselves worthy of the second death. Yeah. I just want to tell you about your lawyer. Will you listen for a few minutes? Yeah. Before your trial began, your lawyer took the prosecuting attorney out and beat him to a pulp in the parking lot. Do you know who? It's the devil. He accused Job. Lord, you think Job's perfect? There's a hedge about him. You've, you've hemmed him in on every side and you've blessed everything that he touches. If you'll take that hedge away, he'll curse you to your face. That prosecuting attorney is gone. Jesus took him to the parking lot. And he's, he's going to be cast into the lake of fire for the second death. I love my lawyer. Because do you know how much that prosecuting attorney has against me? Let's make it better than that since you don't understand. 
Do you know how much the prosecuting attorney has against you? Before the trial even begins, my lawyer threw the prosecuting attorney out of court. My lawyer, your lawyer, was tempted in all points like you are so he can perfectly understand your crimes and commiserate with you as you tell him and as you confess your faults to him. He is the judge's only favorite, beloved, pleasing, firstborn son. What a lawyer. This is my counselor. This is my advocate. This is my intercessor, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has already served the time and suffered the full legal penalty of death for my sins. The holy, righteous, and just judge gladly declares that all claims are satisfied because he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. And he keeps looking over there at my lawyer because he's his only beloved son. And that son died on the cross of Calvary for me. And that judge looks at his son and his son says, I laid down my life for Jonathan Crosby. Righteous. But it's better because I'm just getting started. Because it's better than just being declared righteous by the God of heaven. So thorough is this expunging of my record that no charge can be laid against me or you. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? That is the unsearchable riches of Christ. Nothing can be laid to your charge. Past, present, future. The lawyer paid for all of them. Your record has been replaced to show only the judge's son's perfect obedience on your behalf. Your record has been replaced. Your name has been a line drawn through it and a name put over it. Jesus of Nazareth, the righteous. That is the unsearchable riches of Christ. A lawyer of this sort would turn you away when you came to his door if you could ever get past his secretary's secretary. He would turn you away because they wouldn't have time for you. They only deal with high-profile cases. You could not get a lawyer like this, an advocate, an intercessor, or a counselor like this. But do you know what it says in John chapter 6 and verse 37? Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Do you need to have it written in some other language? Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. That is a lawyer with an open door who is the judge's son. And we're talking about the judge of quick and dead, the judge of the whole universe. This lawyer has never lost a single case. Do you like that? He's never lost a single case. He guarantees all clients. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose only a few. What if you're in the few? I should lose nothing. I should lose nothing. And he is in heaven at this hour. And if you don't embrace him in this hour, you may never have another minute to embrace him. Embrace him. Lay hold of him by faith. Run to him and repent. Repent of your sins. Rip everything out of your life that is displeasing to that God that sits at the tribunal of holy justice in heaven. And rip everything out of your life that is displeasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Run to him by faith and say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Let's go out of this place and live for the Lord Jesus Christ. A lawyer of this sort would be expensive beyond words. Do you know what it would take to hire this lawyer to represent you in court? How much does it cost? Us. It's all a free grace. He paid it all. Ready to sing that one right now? 
Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. But he's not ashamed to call us brethren without paying any of the fees. He paid the fees himself when he hung on the cross of Calvary. And it's the realest thing that ever happened in the world. I don't care what you think about the CEO of your company. I don't care what you think about Christopher Columbus. I don't care if you can tell me the, the three names of the three boats that supposedly came across the Atlantic from Portugal to America. I don't care about any of that stuff. You can't prove it. You're just believing something because somebody told you, and I have a better book than you have ever read about any of those things. And this happened, and he is in heaven, and he is coming to judge this earth. He is the judge of the quick and the dead. When the Apostle Paul had a chance on Mars Hill to talk to the Greek philosophers, he told them God raised Jesus from the dead because that Jesus is coming back to tear you up. The reason he raised him from the dead is to give you assurance that he's coming back to judge you. And some mocked. And some got up and walked out and said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And I want everyone in the sound of my voice to walk out today and say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? What can you tear out of your life? What can you smash? What can you hate? What can you embrace and love in its replacement? This judge rejected and punished the Old Testament church in spite of their mediator. Do you know who their mediator was? The mighty Moses. He wasn't good enough. There's only one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. This judge did not stop at part. My lawyer didn't stop at pardon or acquittal. When Almighty God, Jonathan Crosby is righteous, my son, my son, yes, I'll take your righteousness for him. He didn't stop. He said, Father, thank you. Thank you for justifying Jonathan Crosby. I have another request of thee, Father. Will you adopt him and make him a brother of mine? so that we can share in your inheritance for me. That doesn't make sense. That is what happened. Our advocate did not stop at pardon or acquittal, but pursued adoption. And you should read John chapter 17 if you want to hear the words of the advocate to his father about the adoption that we all may be one. You, Father, in me, and I in you, and they in me. These are the unsearchable riches of Christ. So fine is the lawyer's work that the judge put us in his will for the Lord Jesus Christ and banged his gavel. Done. Joint heir with Jesus Christ. Just in case charges might be raised against you from some other source, some other place, he is perpetually in court, never to lose you. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. Your lawyer is on retainer, and you could never afford it. Your lawyer is on retainer by God's assignment and the reward of heaven's glory. And for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, and he doesn't mind at all sitting next to the right hand of God, ever living to make intercession on our behalf. The judge the unsearchable riches of Christ, the judge, the judge of the universe, the great and dreadful God, the great and terrible God, 
is now called Father. Because He's adopted. And He loves to have you drop in at any time you want to and ask Him anything. Is that true? If I missed the boat somewhere, does He want us to boldly drop in on Him in His chambers and ask Him anything? Can we boldly go in to this black-robed judge and call Him Father? And call Him Abba Father? And say, come here, my son. What can I do for you today? Father, I've got an enemy at the Spartanburg Costco. You don't know who I'm talking about. I need this. I need that. Oh, son, I'll do it for you. He's our Father. Do you know why I hate Arminianism? The double jeopardy of that stinking system punishes Jesus Christ on the cross and then punishes sinners again in hell. Double jeopardy. There is no double jeopardy with the God of heaven. He never punishes Christ for all the sins of all the world and then punishes all the sins of most of the world for the rest of eternity. This God punished His Son once and that was it. Right. Amen. I'm sorry, I'm playing cards. I have a few minutes for us to know and comprehend the love of Christ, let me try something else as I close. Let's compare it to the love of a man. To magnify our Lord, we need to imagine the richest, noblest, kindest, most gracious, most perfect man possible on earth. To help the case, and it's still understating it, let's also imagine a poor, despised, and ugly single woman. Though my comparison does not do justice to God versus us. Understand that. We cannot forget that our Jesus is Jehovah God, the eternal creator made flesh. But maybe by a little imperfect method of comparison, we can delight in the Lord Jesus Christ. I justify my method by Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 32 which said, where Paul said, this is a mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church, though he is speaking about marriage, and no man ever yet hated his own flesh. It is the Lord Jesus Christ, internal, passionate, connected, necessary, dependent, required, choice, love of his church. Instinctive, put into him by the, by the God of heaven, that in great prudence and wisdom designed the Lord Jesus Christ to come and die for us. I justify my method by Ephesians 5.32. This perfect, rich, noble, leading man in the world, the greatest man that had ever lived, it's only in our imagination so that we might exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. This greatest of husbands marries the ugliest duckling, which is still better than any of us. He says to her, after his limo picks her up, I've loved you, Since I first saw you on the street, Jesus says, I have loved you from before the world began with an everlasting love. The man says, when you look at me like that, I just have to love you back. Jesus says, I loved you when you hated me and I never thought of giving up. The man says, you know, if you love another, then our deal is off. Jesus says, if you love another, then I will win you back. 
The man says, I am the richest man in the world. At least for this year, according to Forbes. Jesus says, I created the heavens and the earth and own everything in them. The man says, I sit on the board of directors of seven companies. Jesus says, I am the King of kings and Lord of lords. The man says, I think my parents will like you. Jesus says, my father has always loved you. The man says, I will try not to change. Jesus, I cannot change. The man, my health is good. We should have several years together. Jesus, I cannot die. I live forever. The man, when I have to be out of town, I will leave my chauffeur with you. The Lord Jesus Christ, I and my Father will live with you and in you by my Spirit. The man, I want to get to know you better. Jesus, I know everything about you and care about every detail. The man, I think I will be able to surprise and please you often. Jesus, I can do exceeding abundantly above anything you can ask or think. The man, I will let nothing come between us, except death or desertion, of course. Nothing can separate you from my love. Man, I need to admit a couple failed relationships some time ago. Jesus, I have loved only you and will always love only you and the rest of the brethren of God's elect. The man says, I will give you the best health care as you get older. Jesus says, I will give you an incorruptible body to live forever. The man says, I will give you the best burial in the best cemetery. I will redeem your body from the grave, says Jesus Christ. The man says, will you sign this prenuptial? Jesus says, I am all yours forever and cannot deny myself. The man says, I will invite you sometimes to accompany me at state functions as my wife. Jesus says, I have made you a king and a priest to God forever. The man says, do you like your new last name? Johnson, son of John. Jesus says, do you like your new last name? Son of God. The man, I cannot do more than marry you. Are you happy? Jesus, I am marrying you, but I have also adopted you as my legal daughter. The man says, we can build a house in Hawaii. Jesus says, I am building a mansion for you in heaven. The man says, I hope nothing happens to our relationship. Jesus says, not anything in heaven or in earth or hell can affect our relationship. The man says, till death do us part. Jesus, at death, I will take you to a mansion to love you forever. The man says, look in my eyes and see my love. Jesus says, look at my hands and my feet and see my love. 
the man says, with this ring, I thee wed. Jesus says, with this blood, I thee wed. The unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.